are listening to the Real Mamas of Modoc. Hi, my name is Nana. Hi, my name is Shelby. Co-hosted by our mommy, Mandy. With my mom, Jennifer Holmes. My Jennifer Holmes is my mommy, Jennifer. Okay, welcome back. It's been a little while. We haven't been on here. You know, summer is crazy. And getting quarantined again, which is wonderful. But luckily in my house, we are COVID-free, so that's awesome. But we are here again talking uh, again about that little mini-series, how um, COVID and long haulers and how that has affected different people and their stories. And last time we talked with, what was her name again, Jamie? Amy Watson. Yeah, her story was crazy. That was intense. Mm -hmm. I never knew that you could have a fever. What did she say, like 400 days or something? Yeah, well over 400. That, wow. But she was great. It was great talking to her. And then today we have a special, uh, also another guest, um, Terry Sides, who also um, works here and is a dear friend of mine. And she has also experienced some COVID issues. situations and she'll tell her story too but Jamie did you want to start us off with your story sure so I guess I just want to mention for anyone that hasn't listened to the first episode um any um, lingering symptom over a period of four weeks um, after you've had COVID you're considered a COVID long hauler um and so I have had COVID twice in the past well, 10 months now. Um, back in, let's see. Well, let me just say prior to having COVID the first time, I was training for a 10K. Um, you know, I feel like I'm a fairly healthy individual. Um, I like to run, um, be with my kids, you know, be active. I live on a farm, have animals. And so I'm a fairly active person. Um, and so, anyways, so um, August of 2020, I got back from a camping trip, and I couldn't breathe very good, and I couldn't figure out why. Um, my heart rate was 140 for an hour sitting. I wasn't doing anything to make it go that high, and it was super, super um, uncomfortable. And so I thought, okay, maybe it's just like anxiety or something. And so I decided to try to go for a run. And it was really smoky outside. And I was like, no, that's not a good idea. I'm not going to do that. So I didn't get very far. I went back home and then um, continued to have that heart rate issue. And so I contacted my doctor and she basically said like, or, you know, the clinic said, just kind of give it a little bit. And if it gets worse, let us know. Well, after about four to five hours, it got a little better. So I waited and then the next day, they called me and said, hey, let's evaluate you. And so I came in, and because I was still kind of having issues. Came in, super short of breath. I'm super short of breath today, if you guys can't tell. <laughs> and um, so I went in there. Um, my heart rate was still pretty high. They did a breathing treatment on me, tested me for COVID, negative. Um, and then a few days later, um, when I went back home, I found out I had been exposed to someone with COVID, but at the same time, I was already having symptoms prior to that, so um, I felt like I kind of already had it at that time. And so I was quarantined for a period of two weeks, and um, 
during that time, it was really weird. It was like one minute I felt like I had um, like just stomach issues. And then the next second I was like, maybe, maybe I'm fine. Like I feel okay. Just super tired. And then the next second I felt like my heart like wouldn't stop racing. And then one night I had fever and chills and the whole like flu symptoms. And so, but then the next morning I was okay again. And it was just like this bizarre illness that I couldn't figure out. And so I was tested four times during that period of two weeks, two PCR uh, COVID tests and two rapids, and all of them were negative. And so I couldn't figure out like, why do I feel like this if it's not COVID? Like I couldn't figure it out. So the second week of my quarantine, I developed uh, viral conjunctivitis. So I had like eye inflammation and I just thought like, maybe it's pink eye or maybe, you know, I don't know what it is. And so after my two-week quarantine, I went back to my doctor and she's like, no, like it looks like viral conjunctivitis to me. It's probably, you know, because at one point she had presumed me positive because I had had all these symptoms. And so um, she's like, it'll, eventually it'll go away on its own. And so I just kind of waited it out. And from September to about December, I continued to have shortness of breath, extreme fatigue, like do get up in the morning, do one task and then feel like you need to sleep the rest of the day. Um, you know, do another task and then feel like you need to sit, um, constantly. You just have no energy. You're completely wiped out. I couldn't get, um, I had super like bad brain fog and couldn't get words out of my mouth the right way. Um, I would try to, I knew what sentence I wanted to say, but it wasn't coming out the way wanted it to. And I still had that eye inflammation that never went away. And so when I went back to the doctor, um, you know, they did multiple tests and things and did a lung test on me and found I had moderate obstruction in my lungs. Um, you know, kind of like a COPD patient. And so, and I don't smoke. And so anyways, um, I was put on multiple inhalers, um, eye drops at this point, and my oxygen kept riding at like the high 80, so like 88, 89, I ended up buying me a Pulse um, O2 reader because my heart rate was constantly high. Um, I would just be sitting and my heart rate would be like 130. Um, I would stand up to do my hair, you know, at the bathroom sink and it's racing and it's hard to breathe. And so this is happening months and months and months from September or end of August all the way till December. And, um, so at this point, like, you know, they can't really say it's COVID because I had all those negative tests. Um, and they're doing other tests on me and they're normal. Everything's normal. Everything's fine. You're fine. And so, and I was like, I am not fine. Like, this is not normal. Um, and so December rolls around and a good friend of mine, Terry, introduced me to these Facebook groups that's she's like there's these Facebook groups um for people like that are just like you like I'm like I swear you had COVID <laughs> and I was like really and she's all yeah and so I found these groups and I started reading and I started reading and I was like you know yeah I think I did too like but why wasn't why didn't I have a positive test and so I started doing more research and I found out that in some of the research I saw people that have more gastrointestinal symptoms than like 
congestion and respiratory issues are more likely to test negative uh, because it's in your gut, not in your nose. And so that was really interesting to learn. I don't know if that had anything to do with my situation, but it was something I learned. Um, And so I started um, reading these people's posts and they're like, you know, still having shortness of breath and doctors can't figure out what it is. And they're giving me anxiety medication and sending me home. And I don't know, like, I can't live like this. Like, I don't understand, you know, what's happening to me. And then um, someone had posted about a doctor who was studying COVID and people that have had these lingering symptoms. And so I started looking more into him and what he was doing. And um, if y'all know me, you know that I'm a researcher. And I had went to school. Um, I just graduated from my master's in social work. And one of my least favorite classes was the research class because I'm like, I don't know what the heck I am reading. Like, I don't get it. And now I am so grateful to have learned what I have because now I know how to peel apart like research journals and articles and things that are legit and credible. And so I'm super grateful for that. And so anyways, um, I was looking into this doctor and he was studying people's blood and he had developed an, uh, an assay, a blood assay that a blood test that specifically identified long haulers. And um, it's now published published in an immunology journal. And so anyways, um, I ended up sending my blood to him. I went to the hospital and got drawn and put it on ice and shipped it to him in San Carlos, California. <laughs> and, you know, and so they ran my blood and they test immune cells. There's specific, there's 14 um, that I'm aware of specific immune cells that are found abnormal in people with post-COVID. And it's like, they call it an immune signature. It's like a fingerprint that identifies you as a long hauler. And um, basically, I sent my blood to him. And then um, that was right before Christmas. And then three days before Christmas, all of a sudden, I start getting kind of like muscle aches, like almost like you have worked out, you know, and it's a couple days later and it's your muscles kind of hurt and your legs and stuff. And I was like, dang, like I haven't really done anything to start like feeling like that. And then Christmas day, I was miserable. Charlie horses all over my body. I had them in my face and my tops of my feet and my legs, like every muscle that you have in your body, I was feeling all at the same time. And I don't know if any of you have ever gotten a Charlie horse in your calf and got up in the middle of the night and you're like trying to get it out. Mm-hmm. Well, it was like that times a thousand. And every joint in my body hurt. Um, you know, I have like so many issues from volleyball back in high school and not wearing knee pads. And I felt like every, you know, injury that I've ever done to my body. <laughs> and um, I felt like I was an 80 year old person's body is what I felt like. And I was like, what is going on? And, um, I, Christmas day, I'm at my family's house and we're, you know, we do like a big dinner and stuff and kids are opening up presents there and I'm laying in the recliner, like going, I need to go home and go to bed and do something different. And it was just not, you know, what, not what Christmas is supposed to be like. And so since then, like a couple days after I just started getting more and more issues, um, that my I still had the infl- inflammation in my eyes, um, which burns like fire. 
um, not like dry eyes, but just burns and um, the shortness of breath and then the muscle aches and the um, joint pain. And then pretty soon I started getting high blood pressure issues. It would go really, really high and then it would drop super low. And I was, I've never had high blood pressure in my entire life. And so I started getting the high blood pressure. I started getting swollen ankles. I started getting rashes every time um, I was exposed to anything like heat or like hot showers, anything like that. Um, I, um, it was just, it was terrible. (laughs) And so, um, anyway, so every day was like difficult at that point and it was pretty unbearable to function. Um, super like brain fog, headaches, um, just, I don't even know. I probably had 30 plus symptoms at this point. And everyone in the support groups was saying like, document, document, document. Because one day a weird symptom would come up and then the next day it's gone. And it's like, okay, what was even, what was that about? (laughs) You know? And I know like there's other illnesses and there's other this and that, but it was not like anything I've ever experienced before in my entire life. And so, um, this is like the week after Christmas and, um, I'm just trying to function, you know, and I'm thankfully I'm not, you know, I was on vacation and stuff, so I wasn't working. And so then, um, January comes along and I decided to take some time off to try to focus on my health because Mm -hmm. I was completely miserable, um, mostly in bed most days on the couch. Um, it was just hard to like do anything. And so, and you're young, you're like mid twenties. Yeah, so, but you're young and you have two little teeny, not, not little teeny, I can't, can't say that, but young elementary school age children. Mm-hmm. Active children. And yes. you have a basic farm. Mm-hmm. So you can't be laid out. No. So yeah. So just to give you like a brief background, like they said, I have two children. Um, I live on a farm, so I have, we have goats, we have um, a horse, we have um, llamas, ducks, uh, chickens, you know, I mean, you name it, we've, we've had it, (laughs) pigs. And so, you know, and I have my husband who's very, very helpful and I'm so grateful for him. And at the same time, I was also had just started a one year master's program for Chico state. Full time too, right? Full time, a three semester program. And so, and I had started that in June of last year after I graduated with my bachelor's. And so it was like, oh my gosh, like how do I function right now? Like what am I supposed to do? And you know, I have like, and I'm one of those people that I'm very dedicated to like my work. I feel like I'm very dedicated to my family. And so for me to not be able to do those things, it was extremely difficult. And so, um, so anyways, by beginning of January, I got my results back from the doctor, and his doc- the doctor's name is Dr. Bruce Patterson, and he confirmed I had had COVID. I could not believe it. I mean, it was so validating to me, but at the same time, I was like, whoa. And he creates, with the blood test, he creates what they call a long hauler index number, and it measures treatment. So if you're 0.75 or above based on your specific blood panel, then you're considered a long hauler. Um, and I don't know, like, you know, I can't speak for like all the specific details about it, um, as I'm still learning, but anyways, mine was 22 and, um, which, you know, I've seen a lot of people's 
like that high or even higher, some of them. And so um, I got the blood test back, took it to my doctors, provided them with everything. But because we're in the research, it's so hard to be able to um, validate anything. You know, it's we're in the pandemic, so the research is happening right now, and things won't be, you know, validated for, like, multiple years. And now we know, you know, five years later kind of a thing. So I um, just put my trust into him and continue to work with him. And at the same time, while he was studying long haulers, he was also developing a COVID treatment program, and he was working with multiple other doctors um, and to develop this program. And so, and he, um, he was the head of Stanford um, in the virology area and the HIV realm for a while, and then he also has his own lab now. So that's where he's doing all his research and studying. So I was working with him, and then um, end of January, I'm still, like, pretty miserable. Um, I was getting, like, rashes on my face and just a ton of issues that I couldn't figure out what was going on. And, um, you know, I went to the ER multiple times and wanted to make sure I didn't have, like, blood clots in my leg because I kept having this weird, like, groin pain that shot all the way down to my ankle. Um And so at one point I was even on like baby aspirin to make for blood clots just to make sure that I wasn't, you know. And at this point, I was like so desperate for help. Um, I remember, you know, and I'm not a medication taker, so like I don't like taking that kind of stuff, but I was taking natural things like turmeric and fish oil and like what helps with Charlie horses. Oh, like some, um, uh, what's it called? Tartar. Cream of tartar. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> my doctor was like, try some cream of tartar. And, and you know, at one point I was even, like, drinking a little bit of pickle juice to help with, like, the Charlie horses and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Uh-huh. Like, I had this entire natural <laughs> setup. And, but and when so, you get going through that, and you, at this point, it's almost like a gear. Mm-hmm. And you still really don't have any answers. Mm-hmm. That's when you get desperate and you do look on the internet and yeah. you do like it helped one person. So maybe it'll help me. And mm-hmm. you're just trying any which way to yeah. function. And the interesting thing was, was um, in December they had tested me for an autoimmune disorder and I had tested positive, um, but it was like the lowest um, number you could get. Mm-hmm. And I've never had autoimmune disease in my entire life. And so I was like, interesting. And so then they were kind of all like, it's autoimmune disease. That's what it is. And so they referred me to a rheumatologist. And so at the end um, of January, I went to the rheumatologist and he was like, no, he tested me for it again. It was negative. And he said, you just stick with like the long hauler doctor. Like that's where you need to be. And Mm -hmm. so I went with, you know, we didn't even do anything else. And so um, I just stuck with Dr. Patterson and uh, my primary care provider at the time. And, um, continued to work with both of them. And so end of January, um, yeah, so I'm doing that. And then, um, beginning of February comes around and it's about three days before I'm supposed to go back to work and I get COVID again. And this time I had a positive test. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But this time I had respiratory issues. I had the congestion and the cough and the you know what I mean? Like all of my head felt like it was a thousand pounds. Uh-huh. And so I, um, yeah, so I tested positive. So I was home again for 10 days this time, I think. 
and isolated in my bedroom. And for the first time in months, you guys, like a lot of my long haul symptoms went almost completely gone. My eyes didn't burn for the first time in months. My muscles didn't hurt for the first time in months. I could breathe. My heart wasn't all crazy. Like it was a, it was almost like a blessing in disguise. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, I have COVID. Like what? <laughs> like right. what the heck? And so, um, I actually enjoyed it. Like I had relief of some symptoms, and so I enjoyed that part. And so after my ten day. I slowly started to see my long haul symptoms come back up, but nowhere near as bad as they were. I mean, I still had like the eye inflammation and the brain fog and the fatigue and the shortness of breath and the tachycardia came back, but it wasn't, I didn't have like the Charlie horses all over like I was and I could, you know, somewhat function. And so, um, they redid my blood, Dr. Patterson redid my blood and my long hauler index went down to 11.5. And he had talked to me about, we spent like an hour on the phone one day and he had talked to me about how, um, basically like it reset my immune system. Like he was talking about how in his research, immunologically, um, COVID, active COVID looks completely different than post COVID patients and long callers. And so that's everything that his research says. And so he said it supports exactly what I'm saying. And so... Um, I think it reset my immune system a little bit and I was like, yay, like I actually feel kind of better. And so I'm back to functioning, you know, mostly normal. And I still like, even today, I still have some issues going on, but I, um, I did some of his medication treatment. They launched their program. Um, they're treating well over 5,000 patients since January. Um, I think even sooner than that, actually. And I may have the numbers off, but I know it's getting bigger and bigger by the moment. And so I started taking medications that, like, you wouldn't even believe would be medications you would take for COVID. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started taking he um, the program prescribed um, an HIV med, mm-hmm. um, ivermectin. And at one point I was taking very low-dose um, steroids And so, but I have done four weeks now of the HIV med and the Ivamec, Mm -hmm. and it is helping so much. Um, I've like been thinking clear, like I'm getting way better on that. Um, but the fatigue is improving. I can actually somewhat be in the sun and not roast in two seconds. Um, cause before, you know, you could, I would burn in the shade (laughs) and so, Mm -hmm. and I never used to be like that. Um, one of my favorite things to do is go out in the sun and float on the lake, you know, right. for hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours. And so I couldn't do that anymore. Um, but now I feel like I'm getting better. And so compared to how I was back in, I would say December, I'm about 80 to 95% better. Really? I am. Um, I'm hoping that I can start exercising a little bit soon. And they say like when you're having significant symptoms like that to not, exercise as much because it will, um, mobilize the cells and create more inflammation. And so what they have found is COVID protein still in people's cells up to 15 months later that are traveling around your body and creating more inflammation that's causing this immune response. And so 
by exercising, it's duplicating those cells, hence creating more inflammation. Right, kind of like HIV. HIV is a virus that mm-hmm. enters into your cells and then uses your own personal cells to reproduce that mm-hmm. virus. And what I love about the program I'm in is that they don't just treat the symptoms, whereas like you go to a doctor and they treat your symptoms. Mm-hmm. This is precision medicine, so they target your specific immune panel like directly. So they're treating the disease specifically. So like if you go to a, a doctor for a UTI, for example... They're going to give you probably a generic med that they give multiple people. Right. They don't do that. They prescribe you, you know, directly how your immune response is mm. and your immune cells. So that's, I really like that. And so it's treating the disease, not the symptoms. And so that's how people are improving. And there's a lot of people that I'm friends with now because, you know, when you're in this struggle, you create friends and people that are in your same shoes. And, you know, many people are going to doctors and they're like, you're crazy, you know. They're gaslighting them and they're treating them terribly. And a lot of people are being treated for anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, and being told, take this and then that will help. And and that's not the symptoms. Right. They're they're valid symptoms. Right. And providers, you know, they're telling them, you know, well, there is like depression going on and things like that. And. And so people are just feeling hopeless because they have no one that will hear them and no one, you know, and it's not necessarily anyone's fault. We're in a pandemic and they don't know how to treat it. Right. You know, we, they don't know. They don't have the research out there yet. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm so grateful for the program I've been in because I, like, I'm getting better and they listen and they're empathetic and, you know, they validate you and... You know, and so it's just amazing. And so we've built this community of, I mean, I don't even know how many there are now, but thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are in the same exact shoes. Like, I don't know how many um, groups I'm in now, but I scroll and it's just like one after another. Like, what do I do? Like, how do I get my doctor to hear me? How do I get this person to hear me? Like, I am not okay, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people that have these long hauler symptoms, their tests are normal. They get D-dimer tests. They get all of these tests done, and they are normal. And so doctors are like, you're normal. I don't know what to tell you, kind of a thing. And so, but they're not. It's not normal, and it's not okay. And I feel like, you know, um, the patient, like, is their own expert of their themselves. It's true, and that's why you really have to advocate. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel like you're being told, uh, being heard, yeah, or, and it's not, they're not answering your questions. You have to advocate for yourself. You have yeah. to keep going. And so, once I started learning about what was working and what was going on with our bodies and how to get help and resources, the social worker in me was like, "I need to help others. Like, I need to help other people." And so, um, while you know, in my own illness, I have like connected with others and provided them resources and like, you know, gave them hope basically that no one else has been able to give them. And so that's part of my purpose here today is to just spread awareness that post COVID, you know, long haulers are real. It is something that is very real. And, um, I will continue to spread awareness because it's turned my life completely upside down. So. Right. Yeah. So, what out of all those symptoms which one has been the worst for you I would have to say my eyes 
I don't know, I've complained about multiple symptoms, you know, usually on a daily basis. I'm sure my husband's sick of hearing it. But I think my eyes have been the most uncomfortable for me because it affects my vision. It They constantly burn. Um, I'm starting to be able to tell if I'm going to have physically, if I'm going to have a good day or a bad day. Because when I wake up in the morning, if my eyes are on fire already, I know it's going to be like a not so good day for my health. And so I've had to take different steps to be able to um, improve and accommodate and, you know, not do as many things as I used to do and take breaks when I need to. Because if I don't, then I pay for it because, you know, you go all out one day when you feel good and then you're down for four days. And so it's a chronic illness. Long collars are a chronic illness. And I think, you know, I think you just have to like, if you're someone that's struggling yourself, you have to kind of not take all the energy when you have it. Because if you take all the energy when you have it, then you're going to be struggling for a lot longer. Right. And so, but I think my eye inflammation is probably one of the worst. And I have to say, you know, looking back at like December, the Charlie horses were terrible. Yeah, because I mean, I've had them in my calves before, but never like my face and my feet. And like, it's just. I can't imagine. I remember being pregnant and waking up when you had those toe cramps mm-hmm. and just like feeling like your your feet and your toes are like mm-hmm. going to like totally turn into like a, an alien or a monster and fall yeah. off. They're so painful. I remember being, I took the one thing I think that's helped, and I don't know about anybody else, but like warm baths at night were my lifesaver and I would put that like you know the Epsom salt stuff Mm -hmm. in there for muscles Mm -hmm. and that was the only thing that would help um and I would be you know 2 p.m in the afternoon in the bath bawling because I was just so I was so miserable and you know a lot of people that I've never experienced it they don't know like they don't know what it's like they you know can try to empathize but they truly don't know unless you've experienced it and I just think bringing that awareness is super important. And when it's turned your life upside down like that, you can either continue to live in misery or you can make something positive out of it. And so for me, you know, I've decided to put my heart into it and try to help advocate for other people. Right. And that's kind of why we started this little mini series is to kind of bring the light on to your research and your treatment and your kind of path and journey with this virus Mm -hmm. yeah and i i'm just super super grateful for all the people that i've met that have connected me to those resources and the friends that i've built i mean i have friends we text now and like you know someday we're gonna actually meet up in person but they have a whole um zoom hangout group where they hang out and talk and there's a reading club and it's just i don't know it's just amazing how something so terrible can be so positive at the same time right like i it it like almost refers to like the times that we've heard about in history like not only like the spanish influenza Mm -hmm. and then you had like the big hiv outbreak that happened in the 80s but Mm -hmm. even leprosy i mean they sent everyone that had leprosy onto an island and just left them by themselves Mm -hmm. which is still is still there right and just to see that people were like totally like get away from me don't touch me stay away from me kind of thing Mm -hmm. it can be isolating yeah well and I want to say like also I'm super grateful for the people around me like Terry and just my family and friends because first of all like without Terry I wouldn't have even found those groups 
So I'm just super grateful for that and having someone to share an experience with because like I said, when you start saying you have 40 symptoms in every system of your body, people will look at you like you're nuts. And so, and you know, that's not very nice and not validating and it doesn't make the person feel better that's struggling. For sure. And so I just was super grateful for that. And my husband, who's, you know, been taking care of, like helping with the kids and helping with everything and his family and my family. And I'm just super grateful for everybody and their patience. So. And, and the thing with like a lot of your symptoms, it's hard. Like, you know, we have machines and stuff besides your rapid heart rate that you had, which you said was 140, which a normal heart rate is 80 to 100. Anything above 100, we start to really, really get concerned because if you think about it, your heart can't put out enough blood to oxygenate your whole body when it's going that fast. Mm-hmm. And then your O2 sets, those were the only two symptoms that they could see on some type of monitor and be mm-hmm. like, all right, so there is something going on. But everything else, there's no way... I guess medically wise, like actually showing proof. So that's in, and then that's when they will go to like, oh, you're depressed, you got anxiety. Oh, here comes another Dr. Google. Stop mm-hmm. looking on the internet. Just go home and eat some ice cream and chill out. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. Yeah. And I, like, one thing I am grateful for, even though my primary care doctor didn't know how to help me you know she was like I'm trying you know she tried every test in the world but nothing was coming up and so she was trying but the one thing I'm grateful for is that she at least she listened Mm -hmm. and she was validating and empathetic and I told her that multiple times and she's like I didn't help you like I didn't do anything and I was like but you did and I said and that's what like providing you know care to patients is about is hearing them and and you know regardless of your like own beliefs you still validated or regardless of you know that medical evidence and so um and you know over like the period of months you know the program I'm in they've gotten like they have telehealth and an entire program set up with you know CLIA certified labs and patented blood tests and you know it's all official and it's all legit it's you know I've had people ask me well like how much did you have to pay for that (laughs) that test and I'm like I didn't you know nothing like they were doing it out of because so many people were coming to them saying help me right and so they were just miserable and you know if people want to hear more more of their stories there's a lot of um videos on um youtube from dr yo is his name or ram yogendra and um he has a lot of videos you know and um with dr patterson and dr drew is also interviewed dr patterson um as well so Anyways, but I, you know, I'm just, it's just been a journey. It's been a very long journey, and <laughs> I am glad to be able to get, be improving a little bit, and um, eventually my goal is to be able to run again, because that's like my therapy. Right, so. but you, like you said, you're, you're short of breath today, mm-hmm. so you, so symptoms are not fully resolved. No, so today, today I still struggle with shortness of breath. I still have some heart rate issues. Um, I have the eye inflammation still. Um, some days is better than others. Um, I still have some mild brain fog going on, not as bad as it was. Um, and fatigue. Fatigue has been a huge one. Mm. Um, but for the most part, all of the other ones have resolved. So That's good. Yeah. My blood pressure is getting back to normal, too. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So, Terry... 
you, I think, probably out of everyone I know, like you were the first one that started like developing symptoms and having issues. Yeah, I um, developed symptoms early on in March of 2020, and um, I thought I had allergies. I mean, it was spring, um, so I figured I had allergies, and then my symptoms continued to get worse. I went to work because then I figured I might have my spring cold, which I get every year around that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a freak snowstorm and like two and a half foot, two foot of snow and I'm up shoveling and I just was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And um, the pandemic had actually started we you know we worked for public health we had to open our doc and we opened our doc like that weekend so all hands needed to be on deck and so i came to work on that wednesday and throughout the day so initial my initial symptoms started um, march 13th so it was very early on in the pandemic itself and within five or six days oh gosh i was just so sick but still went to work because I was pretty sure it wasn't COVID. It was just allergies or my annual cold. And by the end of Wednesday, I was coughing so bad. I went down and grabbed masks because we weren't required to wear masks at the time, but I just felt um, that it was necessary. And what if this is what I actually had? Um, And then I let my boss know that I wasn't coming in the next day because I was starting to run a a low-grade fever. And for me, I run subnormal anyway, so a fever for a normal person, they don't even look at, well, for COVID, it was 100.4 is what they initially looked Mm -hmm. at, and I was running like 99.9, and people are like, oh, that's just low grade. Well, I run 96.7 normally, so it was a pretty substantial fever for myself, and so I didn't come to work, and then I just progressively felt worse throughout the weekend and kept talking to people and they're like you need to go get tested you need to present to the hospital and um about midweek of the following week I had been off work a week at that point in time um because I just was feeling so bad I mean I had the um I had lost my taste and smell at that point in time um had the the rapid heart rate, the tachycardia, the aches, um, the fatigue, everything. And so um, shortness of breath. And my father, who has COPD, had a pulse ox that I borrowed. And I was dipping down into the 80s. And we're like, this just cannot be right. So mm-hmm. at that point in time, I talked to enough people that they talked me into presenting to the emergency room. And uh, wasn't something that I want to do because I don't like hospitals even though I've been in the medical field for 30 years it's still not something that I want to generally do so I presented to the hospital and uh went in you know followed their protocols went in and but because they had a lack of kits available to test I didn't meet the CDC criteria because of that lack of fever you know um even though my O2 stats were low and my lungs were congested and um, stuff like that. So what they did was they diagnosed me as a presumed COVID, put me on another two weeks quarantine, but only me. They didn't quarantine anybody 
else that had been around me. And um, the funny thing is, is, you know, we way back then when it was beginning like that, the CDC had pretty strict rules on who we could and could not test. And I yeah. wonder how many people, like, we live in a northern county in California that's very, very small, and we were supposed to be the last one in all of California to have a positive. But yet the CDC had those guidelines pretty strict. Mm-hmm. So how many people did we actually miss? Right. And right. then those tests back then also weren't very good on catching positives exactly. and negatives. You had to catch it at the right mm-hmm. time. And like Jamie was talking about earlier, um, people that had a lot of the gastric symptoms um, were not testing positive. It had to be, um, you know, uh, nasal, um, mm-hmm. you know, that type of symptoms to, to even test positive. So. So yeah, so I understand, from what I understand, um, presumed cases were also um, reported. They just weren't reported as positive, so they didn't reflect in our numbers. But from what I understand, presumed cases were um, reported to CDPH. That's what I was told. I don't know for sure, but that's what I was told. So I followed the guidelines, you know, what they gave me, the, the pronounce that they gave me at the hospital. and. Honestly, I think I had gone to the hospital about seven days in, and um, about my 10th day of being ill, um, because they didn't give me anything um, to treat any symptoms, and I wish that they would have given me cough medication, um, inhalers, anything to just relieve the symptoms, but what they told me was, we believe you have COVID, Um, I was 50 years old, you're young, you're healthy, it's a viral infection. Basically, you'll get over it. Um, go home, go hydrate, home rest. hydrate, hydrate, and rest. Yeah. Um, and if you get worse, come back. And uh, so, a few days later, um, to be perfectly honest, there was about a twenty-four hour period where I just wanted to die. I mean, mm. honestly, I had that rapid heart rate it felt like my heart was in a vice I couldn't catch a breath my O2 stats were still dipping but I was like they didn't do anything for me before so am I any worse do I really need to present mm-hmm. and um and if you do are they gonna do are they gonna do you? anything I mean they can't test me mm-hmm. um are they gonna ship me out because odds are at this point I may not even test positive because I'm a good 14 to or more days out from initial symptoms. And um, so I just went on, continued on, had the doctors write me off for another week. And so I was off three weeks total the first time before I came back to work. And coming back to work was so hard because like Jamie talked about, that fatigue and that brain fog, um, it's very real. And trying to function, was just so difficult and then the ongoing shortness of breath and I'm a pretty active person and all I wanted to do was come to work if I could make it through a full day go Mm -hmm. home and fall asleep on my couch because that's really what I could do and then uh, about 30 days post um, infection I ended up back in the emergency room because I had a secondary um, infection. And then at that point in time, they tested me and I tested negative, um, because really that put me about 
45 to 50 days out from initial symptoms. But they treated me. They treated some of my symptoms. So that really helped. They, mm. I was given inhalers and steroids and antibiotics. And it really helped with my breathing and stuff. And I went through the summer not doing the normal things that I like to do because of the ongoing fatigue and the shortness of breath. And I mean, I'm a person that would try to walk three miles several times a week and I could barely make it to the front porch or coming in from the building, from my car to the building, I would be so short of breath that I just couldn't do it. And then, uh, we were on a camping trip when Jamie actually started experiencing symptoms in August. And that's when I really started feeling better myself was about August and September. And I started pushing myself to become more active again. And um, in uh, probably the end of September, the beginning of October, I started walking and I was so thrilled that I could actually walk a mile again. I mean, I was just trying to build up my stamina and not be short of breath. And, you know, I should mention that I had, with the loss of um, taste and smell, it was four months the first time before I got any taste or smell back. And then um, October comes around, um, you know, it's viral season again. Mm-hmm. And um, my sister gets sick and she thinks it's just a flu bug. And then my dad gets sick, and he's running a 103 temperature, and a person that they had gone hunting with because it was hunting season got Mm -hmm. sick, and then all of a sudden, I'm exhibiting symptoms. And uh, because my father's temperature didn't drop, he had it for several days in a row. We took him to the emergency room, and he tested positive for COVID. And they did not test my sister because, again, hers was gastric, um... They just gave her a presumed positive, mm-hmm. and then, but because I was exhibiting the um, sinus type symptoms, they wanted me to come in and test. And we had informed them that I was a presumed case back in March, and they're like, "Well, you know, question, questioning whether it was or not." Right. And, but they asked me to present to the ER to get tested, and so I went in, and the doctor comes out, and well, they they did the test, and he he comes in and goes, well, you're positive. And he said, I went through your chart extensively and I 100% agree with the diagnosis from March that you had COVID in March, because if you didn't have COVID, I don't know what you possibly could have had. And you know, the, the symptoms were very, very similar for me. Um, the second time around, initially I thought they were much more mild. I thought, ha, this is going to be a cakewalk. And about the day that I was supposed to come off of quarantine, it just hit me like a ton of bricks again. And um, right back on the couch, fully low O2 sats, the tachycardia, the chest pain, and the, Jamie, like with the muscle aches this time, the second time around were so intense for me, you know, the symptoms varied a little bit. And, and that's the thing with COVID is not, there's no textbook symptoms. Like if you get the flu, generally everybody experiences the same symptoms, but with COVID you don't, you know, 
you could be asymptomatic, you have mild symptoms, I have extreme symptoms, Mm -hmm. and that's the problem with COVID. And that's why Mm -hmm. there's a lack of understanding Mm -hmm. for people because people think, oh, it's merely the flu or they weren't sick at all, Mm -hmm. but... Or, oh, for I me, just had a cold. I had a cold. You know, for me, I wanted to die. And what healthy person says, I was so sick, I wanted to just not be alive anymore. And that's you what know? happens when people are fighting the vaccine. Yeah. Is, well, like, they'll say, well, like chicken pox, we'll just have a COVID party. I'll get it, get over it, and be done with it. Not with these variants that are out there. No. No. You know, and for me, that's super... Um, scary. I, I was vaccinated. I was like, I worked in clinical trials, so I have complete faith in the the process of testing and the FDA. And I worked with the FDA when I worked in clinical trials. So I had no problems being on board with getting, getting the vaccination. And, um, the variants scare me. I don't want this a third time. I'm so afraid for myself that, the symptoms could be even worse the third time around for me, and I may not um, recover. And for right now, for myself right now, I'm finally to a spot where um, I can walk a mile again, and I feel good about it. My heart rate isn't 180 <laughs> after walking it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't extremely short of breath. I mean, um, I've had a massive amount of weight gain this last year because of my inactivity. And then you wonder, is my shortness of breath because of my weight gain? Is it still because of COVID? You start, you know, it's a, it's a vicious circle. Or is your body in full inflammation exactly. process, which is going to cause you to gain weight anyway. Gain weight anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's all, you know, it's frustrating. As Like Jamie said, it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. And you want those answers. And even though we're getting to a point where we are getting more answers, mm-hmm. it's, still, it's still very difficult to deal with you know, the, po- the post-COVID effects. Right, so. and even if, if you think COVID, just having COVID is not it going to kill you. Like, the thing for me is scary, just listening to you guys and listening to our last guest, is these after effects. Like, those seem absolutely miserable, even mm-hmm. worse than having COVID. But, I mean, like we've seen on TV, some people get COVID and they die. Or they wait too long to go to the hospital and then that's it. So, you know, it's like Russia with Roulette. Do you want to take that gamble? I don't want to take that gamble. Well, it's like we talked about earlier. You know, my father was, we also, we assumed that he had COVID in March because he was fairly sick, but he didn't share with us how sick he was. And then he had the positive case in October. And it should be said that, you know, he had, he's on pulmonary medications and has a cardiac history. But he had literally just been to both of his um, practitioners mm-hmm. um, when they, we, we assume, where they contracted COVID anyway, um, and had the best tests that he had had in years of treatment. I mean, because they've done numerous medication changes and such. And, um, all of a sudden, out of the blue, within the last six to eight weeks, he's started having some uh, cardiac um, issues that didn't exist prior to having COVID in October. And luckily, the physicians here at the ER were hopped right on it. And then we also um, 
reached out to his cardiology group and they wasted no time getting him in. I mean, like within a day, they got him in to see him to start working on further testing just to make sure that post-COVID um, there's not any further damage because they stated that in people that were very stable prior to having COVID, they're seeing it over and over and in their patients new symptoms and worsening mm-hmm. a significant worsening of symptoms and um people going from being stable to unstable and stuff like that so they wasted absolutely no time in getting mm-hmm. him seen and um doing further tests on him which makes me extremely happy mm-hmm. because it's all unknown right and it's affecting multiple systems exactly and yeah like you said unknown you don't know is this cause, is this from this or this, or what else is there going right. to happen to be? If we don't do something, what else exactly. could happen? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's what Dr. Patterson was saying. It was like people spend thousands and thousands of dollars on tests that are going to be normal. Yeah. You know, and so it's pretty interesting, but they're, you know, and some of them aren't normal. I'm not saying all of them are, but a lot of people are like, everything is normal. I don't get it. Well, I just had recently had some lab work done. And when they came back, you know, some of my blood tests are a little off and they're not significantly off, but they're enough to show some changes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for example, one of my tests could show severe dehydration, except for my kidney functions and everything looked really well, um, or good, but the other suggestion in this lab work that was off would be that I was a heavy chain smoker and I've never smoked a day in my life. So, I mean, it's clearly affecting our systems. And we don't live in a city, so we don't have the smog. Exactly. You know, and it wasn't a forest fire at the time and we weren't experiencing, you know, we were having our annuals, so we weren't experiencing that. Right. You know, so, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you, ladies, for coming on today and talking. I know that um, sometimes it's hard, especially when people don't believe you or don't have answers for you. So thank you for telling us your journey. Well, that's exactly why I started researching in the first place in March. And that's how I found those groups that I referred Jamie to was Mm -hmm. because I had a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like we said, it was new and there just weren't the answers. And so it was, you had to decipher yourself what was valuable information versus what wasn't. But Mm -hmm. I was seeing the people that were experiencing the same things that I was experiencing, you know, months and months and months later. Mm -hmm. And then when Jamie started having all those experiences and symptoms, I'm like, you've got to check these groups out. They're just so full of great information right yeah. it's support it's all about it absolutely support. yeah mm-hmm. and when I checked it out I was like oh my goodness you know and then you know you start scrolling and then it's like you know you see a picture of this person in their eyes and they're like is this like is anyone else experiencing this eye inflammation and I was like <gasps> you know yeah. but and I mean don't get me wrong like eye inflammation can be a multiple like multiple things but right it just there was too many people and too many of the same exact problems that to say anything different for right sure. it really was yeah you know it wasn't like a hypochondriac where it's like oh like i have that yeah you know and then uh-huh it wasn't it wasn't like that it was just like so real and so um and there's so many people now you know in groups and they're making support groups for each state now um there's a california long hauler group and there's you know amy watson's groups and for every state there's like a group now and it's pretty 
it's pretty, um, you know, it's pretty crazy. And they're actually, there's a lot of um, things going into it legally now, a lot of advocacy and bill proposals and things like that to help out long haulers and, you know, get insurance to pay for specific medications and things like that. And that was one of the concerns, like, um, when, you know, my doctor was like, we're going to put you on, you know, it's HIV med and ivermectin. And I was like, we give ivermectin to our cows. Like that's for worms, you know? And it kind of <laughs> freaked me out. And, um, but I was like, you know what? Like after I had done all that research and stuff, I was like, no, I trust you like a thousand percent. And so, you know, they monitored my liver panel. They, um, you know, I had some, some people were like, you know, you're going to get liver damage and your eyes are going to start turning yellow and your face is going to start turning yellow and this and that. And kind of freaked me out, but I was like, you know what? No, like it's either take this risk or live like this. Right. And so what am I going to do? And I want to be there for my children. I want to be, you know, the functional person that I was, um, and that I know I can be. And so that's what I did. And, you know, not everyone's going to do the same thing, but I had to do what I felt like was right for myself. And, um, that's all I can do. Yeah. And so that's why I did what I did. But like I said, I've just, am forever grateful for everyone that I have met and have received support from. So it's been super, super great. And, um, so I just want to continue to spread that awareness. And, um, there's some links, I think Jennifer will post yep. for just different research that's out there. There's an entire document it's a living document that's constantly updated that is specifically for long haulers doctors anyone to read basically and it's um kind of like a provider patient document and it talks about all the common diagnoses they're finding in long haulers um how to you know how to treat patients right and provide empathy and what not to do right and um, just a ton of resources and access to services. And there's an entire um, provider list that's, you know, if you go to that person, you're not going to get gaslighted. You're not going to get told, here's some benzos, be on your way. Um, and I think at this point in time, and I expect it to get better, but from, you know, when this pandemic started till now, there's so much more information out there for mm -hmm. the providers and mm -hmm. so when people are presenting it's not hopefully as much mm -hmm. you know yes these are possible you know what i mean there's treatment out there we can look at versus mm -hmm. everything's normal right you know? right so i'm really hoping that and yeah and i think know. it's improving it's honestly improving um by the day it's you know it's getting better and better compared to you know beginning of last year yeah. and um so I'm grateful for that too. But even like if you're struggling with anything beyond like COVID, not COVID, anything you got going on in your life and you feel alone, reach out, search Facebook, talk to your friends, talk to your doctors. Mm -hmm. That doctor, you feel inside that that's not right keep looking mm -hmm. because there is a supportive home somewhere and nobody is going to advocate for you you have to advocate for yourself mm -hmm, right. and if you don't feel right keep going mm -hmm. keep going and finding it it may it it might be some depression anxiety maybe mm -hmm. but probably the majority of the time is they don't know mm -hmm. and that's an easy answer 
So go out and find that answer for yourself, for someone else, because it may not be anxiety or depression. It may be something else, and you deserve an answer. Yeah, I've seen um, thousands of people now who are developing PTSD oh, yeah. from having post-COVID issues. And um, so, you know, they have a lot of the symptoms, their anxiety. You know, they've never had panic attacks in their life, and now they're having them constantly. Um, and so I think, you know, sometimes there's those pre-existing conditions, but at the same time, um, a lot of this has created that or enhanced it. And so people are struggling and just being cognizant of that, you know. And it was super infectious. It was super infectious. So it's very big chance that maybe you did have it and you don't know. Like you're saying, the GI. Could it have been just the GI bug? Could it have been an infection, sinuses, allergies? It may have been something worse. And they're seeing people that were asymptomatic that had no symptoms. They're becoming Mm -hmm. long haulers. And so, you know asymptomatic person with you know active infection and had no clue you know however many months later three to six months later all of a sudden it's like why do I have all these symptoms I don't know where it's coming from you know and so um and I know you know there's people that are like in wheelchairs and mm-hmm. I mean there are some severely severely ill well, people there's also these people that tested negative five six seven mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. that had it mm-hmm. and are now suffering with the long haulers yeah right. um but they never had that positive test for affirmation mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah and a lot of places in order to get into like a post-covid treatment center you have to have a positive, have have test. A positive test yeah right um the program that i'm going through they don't require a positive test so they're you know they're seeing a lot of people that have never had positive tests um that are confirmed with covid via their blood panel yeah, didn't Amy say something like she never actually tested positive? I don't... I feel like she did, but I can't remember. I can't either. <laughs> well, next week, we are planning to do about four different um, little mini recordings. And um, next week, we have a mom who's going to talk about how her child got COVID, right? And their effects afterwards. And, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to see that... Um, did the mom give it to the child, or did the child have it? Mom never had it. Mom's uh, a long hauler as well, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know who gave it to who, but um, I know that both of them are severely suffering as well. And um, you know, I feel like it's heartbreaking for me. You know, she's mm-hmm. she honestly. Once I found the group, I found her. And then I was like, oh my gosh, where have you been? And she had connected me to so many resources. And then we start talking and we've always, I mean, we became friends and have talked since. And she's in California too. And so she's a long hauler herself and then her son is. And so um, just talking about the struggle of, you know, her own health on top of her sons and how COVID can impact children and you don't even really realize it does. Mm -hmm. You know, it does. And there's many children out there that are getting that um, same thing. And I've actually reached out to some families, um, to some parents that have reached out and they're like, please, I need help for my son. He's constantly in the ER, this Mm -hmm. and that. And I'm like, let me hook you up with some resources, you know, and, and just, you know, and it's not necessarily like treatment, but it's um, research and um, just additional resources that can help bring that awareness. Yeah, and support. Uh, and that, where to get support, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then it may not just be asthma, emphysema, bad air, 
or GI mm-hmm. issues. It could be COVID, and it's going to manifest in children differently than other people. Yeah. And some days I, you know, because I, I, like I said, I follow multiple groups now, so I'm constantly seeing things. And I see things, and, you know, I sometimes wish I had all the time in the day to just say, like, let me help you. Because I see people, they're like, I don't know why I keep getting, you know, sunburned so easily. Or, you know, people... um that used to enjoy a drink now and then, like can't even have a drop of alcohol because they get like rashes, they can't breathe, they get feel like they're, you know, drunk off of a drop of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and um, COVID causes a lot of um, histamine issues. They call it mast cell activation yeah. syndrome. And so um, people are posting those symptoms and they're like, what is this? And why, are, you know, why is my feet burning? And why is, you know, why do I have these like weird blotchy, um, like model skin on my mm-hmm. hands and, and I want to be like, let me help you, you right. know, but I can't, you know, I'm only one person. And so, um, but I, I just, I'm, like I said, people are so willing to like, just comment and be like, let me help you and hook you up with some resources. And this is what happened to me. And it's mm-hmm. just like such a positive, like I said, for such a negative thing, it's so, such a positive community. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah. And I can't imagine the mom's you know, the field, because as a mom, you want to heal your child. Mm -hmm. And then going through all this of trying to figure out what it is, why is this happening to my child? But then you you can't fix it. Mm -hmm. You can't take it away. And then like my child had COVID at Terry's house. Thanks, Terry. No, (laughs) Terry didn't give it to her. No, she didn't give it to her. I've done a lot of COVID this last year and a year. But just just the the guilt of your child having covid you're like did i not make them wear a mask enough did i allow them out too much should i've kept them home from school allowing them to go to school like what what did i do wrong Mm -hmm. and i i couldn't imagine what that mom is having to think every day and go through not only does she have to deal with her own health but the health of her child too Mm -hmm. yeah it's I guess that it's super, super sad to watch, but, um, I know she's, she's very knowledgeable and, and, um, you know, I feel like we kind of joke about it sometimes, but we've learned all of, you know, all of these different, um, medical terminology words and mm-hmm. cytokines and monocytes and macrophages and all of these things. And like, at first I was like, what in the world does that even mm-hmm. mean? You know, Google, what is the macrophage? Right. And, <laughs> you know? And so I, And then I, you know, I find myself like sometimes, and I don't understand it completely, but I find myself talking to people trying to explain it. And it's like, they don't know what it means either. (laughs) No. You know, and so that's why like, I'm grateful for some of the videos too, because they kind of help break it down to understand more and. Right. um, So, but yeah, it's pretty difficult. All right. Well, thank you all for coming and everyone for listening. Thank you for listening. And we will have another podcast next week with that mom. And it should be really interesting. So please listen and share, 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 share. If you listen, please share on your own page on Facebook. Throw us up on Instagram. If you're a Twitterer, I'm not a Twitterer, so if I'm saying this and that I could show my age, I don't know, but if it goes on Twitter, put it on Twitter. Um, Snapchat it, it, I don't know, do it all, just send it out there. So um, thank you, thank you again for listening, and um, Jamie and Terry, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. All right, so 
And if anybody, you know, if you if people do have questions um, or need additional resources, I have a whole document full of them. So yeah, feel that... free to to find me. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we will be back next week. Thank you again.